0: The Electric Chair, it slept for centuries. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of The Electric Chair. My name is Midnight Corey. Thank you once again for listening. It's very cool. I just want to let you know, I just released episode three of the Electric Chair 2D. Oh, yes, it's available now on YouTube. You can get to it through uh, the Electric Chair website, which is electricchairshow.com. But uh, that you will be able to see the interview with Bradford Tatum, uh, as well as a beer review and some other good stuff. So check it out. It's now available. Very exciting. Um, Of course, uh, this show is on Stitcher Smart Radio at stitcher.com. Very cool. A lot of other great podcasts going on there. As well as the Horror Podcasting Alliance at horrorpodcastingalliance.blogspot.com, which is awesome. And spookshow.tv, where uh, the Electric Chair 2D is playing. So yeah, yeah. A lot of fantastic kind of networking going on there, which is really great. A couple things other... Uh, that are going on here before we get to the guests. Um, Of course, congratulations to Die, Monster, Die. Uh, They were holding their Kickstarter campaign for their new album and uh, they reached their goal uh, a couple days before the deadline, which was really, really exciting. So congratulations. I am so happy that uh, that uh, was accomplished. That's a great thing. All the fans really, really came through for that. And uh, man, man, just really exciting. So I can't wait to hear the album um and also head on over to johnny's cult films uh my man johnny t just interviewed paco plaza of course uh from rec rec 2 rec 3 the director one of the directors um and uh, it was really great Uh, i'm kind of jealous So uh, a really great interview. So uh, congratulations to Johnny T for that interview. It was really, really great. So I have the link to that up in the show notes here. But I got to check it out. Uh, If you'd like to leave me any feedback, you can call the voicemail line, which is 206-337-5096. You can email me or uh, get in touch with me through the contact page on the website. All very exciting things. Yes, yes. So, this week, two guests for you. First of all, very talented writer, very fantastic person in general. Tanya Brown is with me. Uh, She writes a lot of horror, um, erotica kind of things, uh, steampunk, fantasy, crazy kind of stuff. But uh, Tanya's a fantastic girl, and we have great, great talk. That was a lot of fun. And also, I'm really excited to uh, bring on director El Gustavo Cooper. Now, might not have heard of him, but if you read the review of the movie called Velvet Road, um, it's a short film, 13 minutes long. Um, Florida Possum sent me a review for it. I posted it on the Electric Chair website. And uh, actually, Mr. Cooper also gave me a a chance to watch it as well. It's not available to the public yet. Uh, He is still kind of marketing it out there. And actually, as we speak right now, I think he's in New York um, really uh, trying to work up a deal here and, and uh, have some really exciting things happen. So he's the director of Velvet Road and uh, the first time director for all intents and purposes as, as far as a narrative goes. So uh, wow, wow. So I got the chance to sit down and talk with him and he will be the next video interview on the Electric Chair 2D. So that's great, but you're going to hear it today. So that's what I got for you this week. Let's just roll into it right now.
1: Hello, HQ. This is Police Doc. Operator dead. Post-abandoned.
2: Well,
0: I welcome to the electric chair a very talented writer and a very sweet person, Tanya Brown. Tanya, welcome. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, Now, you are one of the people, the few people that I have on the show that I've actually met in person. And uh, we've hung out a little bit at Horror Realm. Mm-hmm. and uh i actually i got to see you um do some panels and everything which you're really great at um and uh it, it's kind of funny just before we you know start the interview here just the history of kind of uh where you and i have have been throughout the years because um i think we first made contact when i was doing the midnight podcast And uh, you got in touch with me and you said, hey, I have this book coming out and I'd really like you to uh, take a read and do a review if you'd be so kind. And I'm like, I would love to send it on over. So you very kindly send me a PDF and I read it. And then it's like, you know, I just got so busy. And no, I I read like halfway through it and then I got interrupted and I got busy and then I show up to Horror Realm and I get to meet you and and you're like, so how, how are you coming? It was Lucky Stiff. Yes. And uh, you're like, so how are you coming with the book? And I'm like, I'm going to review it. Tony, I promise I'm going <laughs> to review it. I'm like, you know, things are crazy, you know, and the, the things you're like, and you're more than cool about it. You're like, I understand. That's totally cool. But I'm like, etched in stone, I'm going to review your book. <laughs> well, how many years ago was that? And oh, um good Lord. The, uh the review... Just uh, never materialized, and I feel really bad because you were awesome enough to send me a copy of the book for free, and I got to read it and enjoy it for nothing, and then I don't even give you a review. You know, not so,
1: not at all. It's not not a, not a problem at all. I'm I'm only pleased that people read read uh, the material. Uh, reviewing it is just like is gravy for me. Just to know that people read it and enjoy it, that really is enough. that makes me happy.
0: Your writing is very unique. Um, you you go. Through genres and subgenres of things that uh, you know, some a lot of people choose not to write about. You you write some very naughty things, some very very naughty yeah. books that make me blush. Lucky <laughs> stiff being one of them. Um, yeah. So actually, if you could just uh, for the listener's sake, um, just maybe give kind of a, an overview of the kind of things that you write, maybe uh, where you've appeared because you've been in a lot of anthologies and all over the place. But uh, what kind of stuff do you do?
1: I. uh, Prefer. It's funny when people ask me this question because I, there's always four genres that immediately lead to mine, and that's horror, humor, steampunk, and erotica. And I don't write as much of the erotic stuff as I used to. Uh, but it's a very hard market to compete in. There's a lot of people that write this kind of stuff. Hmm. And granted, there's a lot of people that write horror and stuff too. But the women that write erotica—they're hard to—they're hard to compete with. You really are. <laughs>
2: um,
1: I. Uh, so when I do write erotica, I tend to write. Much like everything else I write, it tends to be a little on the on the weird side. It's kind of hard to classify, but I uh, I've recently well I'd say about two years ago maybe got into writing a, a lot of steampunk. So I've been doing that a lot lately, especially with the web serial that I run Railroad as a uh, Western steampunk uh, weird West world. Well, and uh, so between it and I'm always trying to write something humorous. I try and, humor is such a hard sell. But I always find myself going back to humor because I just, I love humor to death. And I, I love to produce it. I love to make this. The idea of making people laugh just tickles me. So I always find myself back there. And then, of course, underneath it all is this, this underlying bed of gore and scare and fright. It's just where the horror comes from. So somewhere in between all there. It's, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I like to write different things. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's very diverse. And and, uh, like I said, a ton of of short stories um, Mm -hmm. all over the place with that. And then uh, you've written novels as well. Um, So which do you prefer? I mean, obviously, I mean, you look at it, you've written more shorts than than novels, um, just for, I guess, you know, practical reasons, uh, being one of them. But which would you prefer? I mean, do you prefer the challenge of sustaining a long novel and and just figuring it out and, and making sure it stays together? For a longer you know, work, or do you like the short better?
1: Actually, I find that that the short stories are more of a challenge because you have to really, you have to give more detail without so many words. Is, mm. That's the yeah. way I can put it. Because a novel, you really get a chance to, to, to sort of spread your wings and and really open the characters up and take your time exploring uh, the different interactions of the characters and their development. But for a short story, you really have to get a lot of information across in. You know, sometimes less than 3,000 words, depending on the, the submission call. And I was once asked to write a short story for, uh, in fact, it was when it recently came out, it was uh, uh, Tales uh, Plans 1 through 8. It was an uh, anthology that was before Plan 9 from Outer Space.
2: Oh, yeah, I and remember <laughs> that. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so when I sent mine in, it was supposed to be under 7,000, I think, and it ended up being almost 15,000. Wow. It just kind of exploded, and it does that occasionally. And Tony Shaw was so good to me about about accepting it and go ahead and taking. He took it. He took it anyways, which oh, was really cool. good of him. But uh, that that's why I find it harder. It is it is harder to craft a short story because I am very long winded and I like to say lots and lots of things.
0: Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, you, your words have to really count. You got to choose yeah. them wisely. And yeah. <laughs> Wow. You know, and you are, in my eyes, you are a zombie expert, and you know me, like zombies <laughs> ab- are above all, and one of the panels that I saw you on at Horror Realm was the big, massive uh, zombie panel, where uh, oh, yeah. I think you were sitting right beside uh, Jonathan Mayberry. Yeah, and... I come
1: into the room, and there's all these guys in the back, and Jonathan Mayberry's sitting there by himself, <laughs> and they're all kind of milling around, whispering, and I come up, I'm like, is this seat taken? And he goes, no. I said, Well, oh, it is now. <laughs>
0: I love it because Jonathan Mayberry, he's like a big deal, you know, he's, wow, he's, he's up there. And uh, I'm sure, you know, I guess, you know, who, who deserves to sit by Jonathan Mayberry? And I I just love your, your personality (laughs) where you're just like, I'll get to sit by Jonathan Mayberry. I don't care. That's
2: that's (laughs) awesome. You care me? (laughs) Yeah. I
0: love it. Yeah, he's a, he's a teddy bear, you know, he's, he's very, oh, he is. yeah, yeah. Very great guy. And, uh, he's written some great stuff, but, um, mm-hmm. so, um, like I said, you're the zombie expert. I mean, even more so than myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you had, you had some great things to say, um, on the panel, but, um, you know, again, I, I haven't read a lot of things outside Lucky Stiff that you've done and Lucky Stiff, obviously, um, you know, it's, it's, Erotic, undead, horror, with a lot of like your humor woven in there, and I get th- I get that feel from you that your your kind of humorous side really sneaks its way into a lot of what you do. Everything, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, as far as zombie things go, ha- have you written a lot of zombie things? Um, more traditional zombie things, like a more apocalyptic kind of thing, or
1: mm-hmm. No, no. I've, yeah. I think I may have written, out of everything I've written, I think maybe two or three short stories were true to heart apocalyptic zombies. Mm-hmm. Everything else, I try to be a little bit different. And it's not that I don't appreciate the apocalyptic zombie stories that others write. It's just there's a lot of that out there. Yeah. And I, and I, I personally, I like to read it and I like to watch the movies, but when I sit down to write, it just feels like old material to me. Yeah. So I, I try to make it something, something different something new. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a challenge, but yeah, I try to work my zombies in somewhere where it's going to be, uh, you'll, you'll come away from it saying, huh, well, that was different.
0: That's awesome because I, I enjoy writing myself and I pretty much I gravitate towards zombies when I write. It just happens. I can't help
1: yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> and, uh,
0: you know, But the thing with me is every time I write a zombie story, it's basically Night of the Living Dead you know, just slightly different, you know, it's not in a farmhouse. It's maybe, you know, in a warehouse or, you know, something like that. And that's, you know, that's just what it is. But I love that you're, you're different and you're not, what strikes me about you is that you're not trying to be different. And it's just kind of what is flowing out of you right now. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> and it's really cool. No, they, I think a lot of this is because we met face to face and I got to talk with you and, mm-hmm. you know, I got to hear you speak and stuff. It's just like, you, you know, you you are who you are, and you just kind of write, kind of according to who you are, and uh, it's very original and very different and very cool. And I'm I'm so grateful for that. So it's a lot of fun. So I I, I do appreciate that.
1: Well, thank you, thank you. I appreciate the compliments. You're uh you're far too kind.
0: No, 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 <laughs> not at all. So anyhow, zombie stuff. You know, um, when you talk about zombie movies, um. They're—I don't know—they're a little stale right now. Yeah, Um, not a whole lot coming out. And uh, have have you seen what's the what's the I guess the newest zombie movie that you've seen? I don't know if you're a big movie watcher. Um, Yeah,
1: actually, actually I am. And in fact, my uh, my twin sister uh, Tony is she's the zombie expert. You can call me zombie expert, but when she hears this podcast, she is going to freak because she's she considers herself the family expert on zombies. Wow. And she really she really is. She really is. You think I know zombies? No, I'm a pale reflection of my twin sister's knowledge.
0: Holy cow.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's got the stacks and stacks of DVDs and she's constantly saying, watch this, watch this, watch this. And I think the last most recent zombie film I watched was uh Is it The Dead? It was set in South Africa.
0: Yeah, I was uh... I had that in the back of my mind when I was asking you this because I'm like, oh, maybe she's seen the dead. You know, I hope you have. I hope you have.
1: Yes, um, Yes, it was an excellent film. I absolutely loved it. I loved, uh, first of all, that it was set somewhere different. Yes. (laughs) Not in America. (laughs) And that uh, they featured uh, black zombies, which you don't see very often. And my theory is the reason you don't see that very often is because uh, America loves, we love our gore. Mm-hmm. and gore shows up better on caucasians <laughs> yeah i mean that's yeah that's the truth I, I really think that's why but uh i'm not sure if that's entirely true but that's my my theory and uh, i liked how they focused uh more on the dead being uh i don't know how to say this uh the animated corpses more than than you know these rage-filled monsters amen they were, they were just walking dead and once they got a hold of you of course you know the natural instinct took over but the yeah. uh, sort of wandering the meandering around it was creepy that was the word for it it was a creepy creepy movie
0: yes yeah and and the thing was it, this it was a completely different sort of zombie movie than what we've seen you know not only because it was set in africa and not you know europe or the us or something but mm-hmm. um it was very wide open it was not claustrophobic at all oh. um you know you were you could go anywhere you had a, a lot of range of movement places you could run but they were still there, no matter yeah. where you went. Matter you where could, you went, yeah, and they were everywhere. And I had I had the honor of um, interviewing Howard Ford, um, mm-hmm. one of the brothers who uh, directed this, right. and uh, he was just so awesome. But I mean, they made an effort. He wanted to make a zombie film, but he's like, if we're gonna make a zombie film, we got to do something different, you know. And it's kind of the you know the same approach that you have. If I'm gonna write a zombie <laughs> story, it's gonna be different, it's you different, know. Yeah. So. That's why, you know, they set it in Africa, although, they, like, seriously, they all almost died making this thing for a um, variety of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. That that lead guy, um, uh, Rob Freeman, who played the mm-hmm. lead uh, white guy, pretty much the mm-hmm. only white guy, um, yeah. he, he, he contracted malaria <laughs> uh, during Ooh. the shoot, and he almost died, like, literally. He was in the hospital there, and he... He nearly died so talk
1: about suffering for your art geez.
0: oh yeah yeah i mean there's muggings and like bribery <laughs> stuff with the police. police seriously um actually howard wrote a great book called surviving the dead um uh, just documenting everything that happened and uh, if you go to uh, just look them up and uh, it, the book is fascinating I mean, I don't. <laughs> few people, you know, outside of like documentarians who have like gone into the Amazon or have you know lived with you know tribes and have put themselves in danger that way. I can't think of many more like feature films where they have put themselves in so much danger and have almost died just to make a a great movie. So
1: that's uh, it was a great movie too. I'll have to get yeah. that book for sister though
0: go on her shelf of zombie novel. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, your your sister will totally be into it, I'm sure. Yeah, and uh yeah. you'll love it as well. But uh anyway, so that's that's my that's my uh whole whole plug there for uh for Howard and his <laughs> book and the movie, but you are I mean, this is a zombie movie I think that us real Romero zombie fans, you know, like I like my zombies slow. Um mm-hmm. I think we've been waiting for something like this for so long. Yeah. And uh man, in this day and age when it's just like <laughs> Fast zombies, 28 days later, Zombieland. You know, I, I call them MTV zombies. That's yeah. that's a lot of what we got. <laughs> but uh, I'm liking what I hear, though. You, you're you're like the slow zombie kind of gal, and I I like it. Well,
1: I'm I'm actually sort of sort of half and half, and who doesn't like a half and half? Well, that's all right. Ther- <laughs> ther- seriously, seriously, I'm I'm sort of I I kind of like both, and I see the value of both. I I've am terribly terribly out of shape. And should the zombie apocalypse be full of fast zombies, there's a word for me. They call they call people like me lunch because <laughs> I will be the first to go. I am. You don't even have to trip me. Everybody says, I'm going to trip you when the apocalypse comes. No, you don't have to trip me because it's going to take me about 60 seconds of trying to run. And when I finally slow down and go, okay, hang on, wait a minute, that's when they're going to jump me. So, yeah, yeah. the, the you fast just zombies, find, scared, they scare the crap out of me for that reason.
0: <laughs> all you have to do is find one person who is slower than you, just one person. And I you're golden.
1: Per- I am that person. Oh no.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what, once that adrenaline gets going and and literally you're going to get a bite taken out of your ass, I think, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah I think you
0: got more fair. in you than you, you think you do. <laughs> you
1: and, ever seen a fat girl fly? Yeah, bring on bring <laughs> uh, on the zombies. <laughs> uh, well,
0: I can I can see what you mean though when you when you're talking about half and half. I mean, I can see I can see a lot of merits mm-hmm. in uh, a lot of fast zombie films. And, you know, I, I'm going to bring up two right now. The first of all being Return of the Living Dead. I mean, wow. Our, our introduction in uh, the fast zombie thing. I mean, there, I don't think there are any running zombies uh, before Return.
1: Um, no, I don't think
0: so. And it's an awesome movie. And it's like nobody ever talks about that one.
2: I love when, that movie.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And, and, like, whenever anybody talks about running zombie movies, you know, you basically start in, you know, the 21st century, you know, talking about 28 days later and and stuff, Mm -hmm. but, uh, no one ever goes back to return and said, Hey, you know, the, there were running zombies like, like 15, 20 years before this, and they were in return and they were awesome. They even talked, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was perfectly fine. Um, and so there's that, um, and, uh, the Dawn remake, which I loved. Yeah. You know, it was, um, fantastic. And, uh, now I'm one of these guys. Do you um do you have this whole like well, they're either zombies or they're infected. Do you make that that differentiation there?
1: I I do not because to me a zombie is anybody who really has lack of control of their own uh, their own will, their own power. So we're going back to white zombie with Isabella yeah. Legosi. So we're going way back to that. It's that's my concept of a zombie is anybody who's basically possessed. Um and I know we're opening a whole can of worms uh, <laughs> by saying that, but, but yeah, it's, uh, I have a very broad definition of what I consider a zombie. And then we go into the subclasses of, of different kinds of zombies, which is why I like, to write, uh, I like to write a lot of sentient zombies. I love zombies that can think and talk. Mm. To me, it's fun. It's fun to make characters like that. Like uh, I recently had Badass Zombie Road Trip that just came out a little while back. And it's, it features a sentient zombie. It's a guy that loses his soul, and uh, Satan takes his soul, and he dies because of it, because he has no soul now. So his friend ends up making a bargain with Satan to uh, try to find the guy's soul in seven days. If he can find the guy's soul in seven days, he'll win it back. But the friend doesn't want to drag around the dead body, so Satan reanimates the dead body, and now he's a zombie. And he has classic zombie symptoms. He gets stiff, he gets hungry, but he's also, he's also walkie talkie thinky. but he's a little bit slow because he's dead. And that's that's I really I like the concept of a sentient zombie like Peter in Lucky Stiff is a, mm-hmm. is a sentient zombie he knows who he is.
2: Oh yeah.
1: And uh, uh, the Cold Beneath that I also just put out I've released a lot of novels this year by sheer chance it wasn't that I wrote them all at once <laughs> 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 they just all fell at the same time but the Cold Beneath uh, features uh, uh, partially sentient zombies because they they uh, they die in the cold and the cold was the whole they they die in a crash in the uh, Arctic Circle in the North Pole. And uh, they come back seeking warm blood. They want your warmth, and that's why they tear you apart. Is they're not necessarily eating you for the, you know, because they're hungry. It's because they're trying to ingest your warmth, and that's what they say huh. while they're doing this: "Is warm, you're so warm. Give me your warmth." And that's, and they scream, which was really, really creepy. I don't know why I wrote them like that because it scares me to read it.
2: Wow,
0: <laughs> I I love what I'm hearing, and I'm just like, why am I not reading more of your stuff? Because this sounds so cool, I don't and know. and, yeah. you know, I can. I can handle the senient zombies. I can handle zombies that can, you know, think to a certain extent and talk and, and walk around and act almost human except they don't have a soul, you know, and they're just kind of, they've relinquished control of themselves to some sort of power, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but I think, you know, you either have to go into it full force and really embrace it and go with it and not sit around and kind of half-ass it and, and yeah. sort of play around and, eh, because there there are those movies and, and, and books and everything out there that um, I think are trying too much to stay true to, like, traditional zombie things and maybe almost a Romero sort of ideal, but sort of say, well, I have Romero zombies, but mine can talk. You know, I, I don't... You know, I mean, either do it or don't do it. I mean, you know, be in one, one way or the other. Um, yeah. And it's like you're trying to please, I, I think, maybe too many, too many people at once, but... Uh, it sounds like, to me, again, you know, that uh, you, you, know, you take sort of this vision of what you have and you just go with it and you, you take it uh, as far as it'll go and have a lot of fun with it. Um,
1: that, that's, that's the trick, is yeah. to have fun with it. Because if you're not having fun writing it or creating it and you're not having fun reading it back to yourself, and nobody else is going to like it. I mean, it's, it'll, it'll, it's obvious when a writer has does not, does not had fun with what they've written. And why so many people choose to rewrite Night of the Living Dead over and over and over. <laughs> we've read the story. We've watched the movie. We've watched the movie over and over because everybody seems to be filming the movie over and over. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think it's time to do other things. I think zombies can be so many things. Um, and I'll go ahead and put this out there, and it's going to make people cringe. But we have vampires have done so many things. We might not like all the things vampires have done and we might we might you know argue about it and we might disagree about it but in truth vampires have gone everywhere and they and they continue to go everywhere and that's why they have such staying power and i think zombies can have staying power and continue to be in the public eye if we choose to start allowing them to do different things they don't have to always just be the mindless walking hungry dead
0: yeah yeah it, it's interesting you bring up vampires because it's it's very strange to me where you, you see people who are fans of these kind of classic monsters, you know, be, be, you know, zombies, vampires, werewolves, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me like your hardcore, you know, people who are vampire fans. They, they say oh, I love vampires more than any other sort of horror. Um, they are far more forgiving of changes in mythology and little just you know oh these vampires all they're they can go in the sun and they they they're okay with crosses you know and they they you know because we we've seen tons of variations mm-hmm. uh, of vampires throughout the years and it seems to me like uh, vampire fans are just kind of okay wherever the that certain writer or director chooses to go and it's a pick and choose kind of buffet with your vampire and you know it, it is what it is but when it comes to zombies it seems to be really divisive, you know. It, people seem to, to say, well, you know, these are infected, these aren't zombies. Oh, they came back from the dead. No, they're still alive. Oh, these they, these aren't zombies, you know. And, and so it seems. I mean, do you see that? Is that something you know? Zombie fans just seem to be really, really hardcore about. Yeah. About yeah, they love th- this one definition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Zombie. Zombie fans are. ooh, it's uh you. You can step on a lot of toes real quick if you enter a zombie room. It's, uh, it doesn't take much. It, it really does not take much to really piss off a zombie fan. Yeah. Because they have got their set idea as to what they – and they, and it's not just a, I like this, but I know other people like it. No, it's, this is the only way. It's a, it's a gospel to some of these people. Mm-hmm. It has to be this way. And, you know, you think to yourself, why can't it be another way? It's I, I, I don't know i just i like variety I've always liked yeah. variety and things and it just doesn't make sense to me to be so uh, i think narrow minded is the word I want to use, but I don't want to right. make anybody mad
0: <laughs> no you're I have used far stronger descriptions of people on the show, so you are being you know very kind compared to what I say sometimes so you know it's, <laughs> you're fine but uh, no you're right I mean some people i think they they just fall into i don't know it, it, and maybe is it because kind of how you grew up maybe like the first zombie movie that you saw you know the first thing that really scared you you know and kept you up you know and you know for me it was the romero movies that did that for me and and so now here i am you know i'm, I'm grown up Corey, and those movies still are the ones that scare me the most but uh you know maybe maybe if i'd seen different films growing up you know especially you know younger like five six seven years old then maybe I'd be a slightly different fan of slightly different movies. And maybe that's why I would be staunch in, I like these kind of movies and I'm not so into these kind of movies because this is how I think zombies should be. This is the kind of zombies that scare me. So, I don't know, what what scared you when you were growing up? I mean, what was some of the, maybe the first horror that really really got to you?
1: My parents were really big into showing us horror films and one of the main reason why is because we, uh, from my, from about four years old to about eight or nine, we actually lived in Japan. My dad was in the Air Force.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. And That's we lived awesome. On a,
1: yeah, we lived in Okinawa, Kadena Air Force Base. And wow. it was right around the time the, v, the, the VCR started becoming something you could, you could buy at home. Hmm. Now, mind you, it was still really expensive, so the neighborhood pitched in and we all got one. And uh, this was back when the tapes weighed like five pounds; they were enormous, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was the top loading—you had to push it down. Yeah, it was—it was great. Oh yeah. But the two—the two, the two uh, sort of companies, the two genres that really jumped on the VHS bandwagon—one was pornography;
2: hmm.
1: the other—the other was uh, B-rated, the, the cheap horror, basically. Hmm. Uh, so one of the the earliest films that I remember watching when I was younger was mostly horror because that's what you could really get on VHS was horror movies. And we had uh, an issue in our house with uh, the sex. The violence was fine. You could watch people getting decapitated, their arms ripped off, you know, just, just eviscerated. We'd squeal and clap and go on with it. Five years old watching this crap. But the sex, yeah, that was, we, had, we each had a pillow. And then my parents would screen it first. And my mother would know when the scenes would come she'd go, I drive. And you'd have to put your face in the pillow. Huh. And they would turn it down. And then when it got done, they would turn it back up and say, okay, you can watch the rest of it now. So for a long time, my association with sex and, and violence was that, you and this is what I sincerely thought for many years, is that you start kissing, then you end up with an arrow in the throat, and that's how <laughs> sex works.
2: <laughs>
1: but wow. that was totally unrelated to what you had just asked, but I, I just thought of that for some reason. No, but, um, this,
0: is, this is completely <laughs> spot on to, I mean, wow.
1: Yeah, seriously. I, I mean, for years, for years, that's what I thought. And then, you know, you're talking with other little girls at school about it, and they're like, that's not how it works. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is. You kiss, and then you get your head cut off. <laughs> that's how it happens. Wow. Right? <laughs> but uh, one of the first films I remember vividly, the horse, a scare scene in it, was the very end of Friday the 13th,
2: mm.
1: where she's on the lake, and she's running her hangers underwater. And Jason comes up over the boat and grabs her. Well, all four of us, I have an identical twin sister and two older sisters. And we were all stair steps. We were about a, uh, about a year apart each. So there's my sister, oldest sister, a year later was the other sister, and then me and my sister. So we're like within three years of each other. So we're all real little. Oh,
2: wow.
1: And we're all sitting on the couch. We're all watching this film. The minute Jason comes up over the boat, my dad's behind the couch. And he comes up over the top of the couch, and we all soaked that couch. We all peed. And since that day, I think that's why I love horror so much. Is I've been searching for that scare, yes. and I don't think I'll find that scare again. I've come close, but I don't think I'll find that scare again because that was just that was a benchmark moment for me. <laughs> the pee it. the couch scares what I'm looking for.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. And that's, I talk with so many people about horror and, you know, why horror? What do, What's it do? And it comes back to, it's the buzz that you yeah. get, you know, it is that visceral kind of thing that just, there is nothing like being scared and just being gripped with terror at the same time being sort of in the safety of your home or in the mm-hmm. theater. So it's, it's a very safe kind of terror, but again, it's the kind of thing that'll keep you up for weeks, you know, and it will affect you. I mean, this has affected you, you know, that scare, sitting on the couch yeah. and being scared by your dad during Friday the 13th. I mean, <laughs> this thing, you know, it still gets to you, you know, decades later. Yeah. So um, it has that sort of very unique effect that no other genre of film, nothing else, will do to you.
1: It's true, um, uh, true. I, I I like the occasional tear-jerker, an emotional film will get to me, which is why I don't like to watch it, because I cry at the drop of uh, a hat. <laughs> And so that's probably the only other kind of genre that, that I feel is, is on an emotional level. No. But horror, to me, is it's a very tactile experience. It's a very, uh, you know, you can almost reach your hands out and feel what's going on yes. with, with the situation. And I think that's why I like to, when I get the chance, like I said, I don't write it much anymore. But when I when I get the chance, I like to incorporate uh, a lot of sex in, in, in horror because they're both, they both get your blood racing. They both have the, the same that same effect on you, it's the eroticism. There's an eroticism in horror, there really mm. is.
0: Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. And just listening to sort of your, your, your past and your experiences, you know, growing up with how the sex was so censored <laughs> in comparison with the violence. I mean, with the violence, yeah. It's amazing to me that it was okay to see blood and guts, but it was not okay to see a boob or, you know, something well, actually, like
1: that. The, the boobs were fine because we had boobs. And so, you know, we were, we were going to have boobs, okay. we didn't have the boobs at the time, of course, but hey. we were going to have them and we right. saw our mothers and we knew that boobs existed. The boobs were okay.
0: But you didn't when want to see hand, anything done with the boobs. Yes, when the
1: when the yeah. hands went to the boobs uh, and okay. they were touching on the boobs. That's when it was not yeah. okay anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe because of of how that was censored to you as a small child, um was that maybe something that that sort of grew out of that, especially in your writing, you know? You've done a lot of erotic horror. And maybe is that kind of a byproduct of of uh, kind of almost equating that, or not even equating it. Like you said, you you almost you know you're like, wow, sex is even worse than all this horror stuff that I'm seeing. <laughs> so true, maybe yeah. was that a product <laughs> of that?
1: I think so. I hmm. think it. I think it is a. It has a lot to do with it. Um, that I had a I had a very sheltered, very sheltered childhood uh, hmm. growing up on base. I really did. And then when we came. Uh, back here, my dad retired. We came back to North Carolina. I got a very, I got an eyeful of uh, a lot of things I didn't experience on base. Um, hmm. Racism was one of them. Oh, wow. We just didn't see a lot of it. And uh, when we came back here, yeah, yeah, I've, I've experienced some things I didn't really understand. Um, uh, religion changed a lot, too. Hmm. Uh, we went from being sort of... Uh, Non denominational to suddenly we were Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist, and that was a big <laughs> wow. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, and when it, around the time we came back here is when it started reaching my teenage years, the sex started becoming a question and, and an issue at and a, and a, and a point. And, uh, uh, personally, I actually, uh, waited, uh, till I got married, which, I, I I say proud of, but I don't mean that other people are bad because they didn't wait. Well, oh, right, but, uh, right. No, that's <laughs> a,
0: that's something. That's yeah. an accomplishment right there. I, I waited that's for true cool. love is what it was.
1: Yeah. So I, I found I found a man I knew I wanted to give it to, and that's awesome. I actually was I was actually quite ready before the wedding, but he became entranced with the romantic idea of waiting. So we waited. Wow, I love <laughs> but, it.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So and then years later, after uh, after we were married, God, it was a uh, twelve, thirteen years after that I started writing, and one of the first things I started writing was uh was sexual material and erotic stuff, and he kind of wondered where it all came from. <laughs> he's like, is this, awesome? is this math off? Awesome? <laughs> I'm like, maybe. <laughs> and to this day, he, he will not read. He will not read my erotic stuff because he's afraid because my experiences are only with him. Mm. He, he fears there's going to be something revealed in there that he doesn't want the world to see, and he'd rather not know about it. And I promise him that I don't write anything personal. Yeah. But you know what they say? You write what you know, and you can't help it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow that that's that's very cool. Well, you know, you talk about being sheltered as a child and uh, we ter- we talked about return of the living dead and it, it's so funny it was um I was very very young. I, I couldn't have been 10. I was born in 77, so this was maybe maybe 87, 86. I don't know when uh, you know, we we went to the the VHS rental store, which is just a place that I I really miss right now. And mm-hmm. uh And my mom got this membership. You actually had to buy a membership, you know, to be a lifetime member of these stores back then. And plus you had the rental fees on top of that. And um, we were looking for horror films. And as a very young child, I had seen Night of the Living Dead. And I was scared so much. I mean, I was was literally kept up uh, for like weeks after that. Um so I knew I liked my zombies and there was a zombie movie on the shelf, you know, as my mom took me to this the rental place and it was Return of the Living Dead, you know, it had the punk zombies on the front and everything and
2: so awesome.
0: And so she's like, "Okay, I'll rent that for you." Well, we took it back home and again, I'm probably 8, 9, 10 years old, something like that. And it's okay, my mom wasn't thrilled with the language, you know, a lot of a lot of f-bombs and and everything, but uh all of a sudden we get into the graveyard. We see Linnea Quigley do her dance, take her clothes off. And my mom, she gets up off the couch. And I, I can remember this, like, pristine in my mind, how this played out. My mom gets off, off up off the couch and hits stop on the VCR. And she's like, you're not watching the rest of this movie. And so I I, I know exactly the kind of things because it was like, it's okay to watch zombies. It's okay to, you know, maybe hear some swear words. It's okay to hear, you know, to watch violence. But man, once you see, uh, Linnea Quigley dancing, you know, on the, on the tombstone completely naked, you know, as far as you know, (laughs) then, uh, that's bad. And so I had the same kind of experience, you know, as far as the, the sheltered kind of thing. And then, uh, I kind of rediscovered everything again when I was a teenager. I got more freedom. I could, you know, kind of pick what I watched at that point, point. and uh, yeah. But that that's so funny that uh, you know that uh, the sex versus violence.
1: That's well, you know, kind of it's kind of the way America is. We we don't mind our kids watching these horribly violent television shows, but somebody you know whips out a nipple and that's it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I got you know, is it maybe partially? Because when, whenever you see somebody ripped apart, stabbed, beheaded, whatever, on film, you know it's fake. You know they pulled off some sort of effect. And yeah. me, you know, being a film fan, and I, I like kind of getting into effects and kind of how do you do that. I love watching that stuff and picking it apart and saying, "Wow, they used you know a, some sort of uh, latex on that, and they they shot the blood out some hose that was coming from uh-huh. this direction." And so I kind of analyze it that way. And so almost when I see, again, violence on screen, I know it's some sort of awesome trick that they just pulled on me. But when I see sex, when I see boobs, and I see <laughs> other things going on, there that's not any sort of trickery. I mean, that, yeah. you're seeing the flesh. <laughs> you know, you're seeing the bad parts, you know, the naughty bits.
1: That, that's a good way of putting it. That probably has a lot to do with it is that we know the violence is fake. But I don't know. Fake violence doesn't make it any less, uh, less impressionable, I guess yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And is it's, it? uh, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. It really is. Right. I remember, uh, with, speaking of Return of the Living Dead, my, uh, one of my mother's favorite films. And, oh, wow. uh, we were actually allowed to watch the dance because, you know, we're, we're ladies and it was Lady Bits, <laughs> so it's not a big deal. And, uh, I can't remember how old I was when we saw it for the first time either, but, uh, I think we had just came back to Georgia, so I had I had to have been nine or ten. But um we uh in our family, that's one of the co- most quoted movies.
3: One nice. of the most
1: quoted movies, yeah, where we're constantly someone's constantly saying, Not a bad question, Bert. <laughs> Anytime anybody says something that's just a it's a genuinely good question. Someone in the family say, Not a bad question, Bert. <laughs> Or do you mean the movie lied? That's what we say all the
0: oh, time. Oh, I love it! I love yeah, it.
1: That one in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is very quoted in our family.
0: Oh, What's I'm sure. Your, wow. What
1: your brother did to the door? I'm the Lord of the Harvest. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're bad about quoting films. Dog my Listen, yeah. yeah, yes, God will hunt. hearing uh, hearing my mom say, um, not a bad question, Bert. That's a, yeah, <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> wow. Oh. She'll say, You mean the movie lied? Just out of the blue. You'll see her she'll go, You mean the movie lied? I'm like, I love you, Mom.
0: <laughs> What's your tongue, boy, if you like this job. Like, like this it. job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they reprise those roles in the sequel, and people bust on the sequel. I love Return of the Living Dead Part Two. I, I mean, too. I, I don't care. It is, first of all, not many zombie movies come from the perspective of a kid. And that one does. Um, it, it's done very well. He's into comics, and he's bullied. He's trying to, you know, maintain these relationships with these these other kids that he kind of looks up to, and and then mm-hmm. the whole the whole zombie thing. And of course, then you know Tom Matthews and uh, James Karen come back in as grave robbers this time, and and they're paying homage to the first one while making this whole kind of different zombie movie. Um, and there's the comedy thing. I just, I love that film. I mean, do you appreciate this as much as I do, or am I, am I crazy about part two?
1: No, no, I love part two. Uh,
2: cool.
1: I, love, I love them both. I, yeah. I think a lot of the reason people don't include Return to the Living Dead is because of the comedy. Uh, I think when people mm. think zombie movies, their mind immediately leaps to the serious movies. Because people don't mention Zombieland a whole lot. I mean, so when it first came out, they were like, Zombieland, Zombieland. But now, you know, here a little bit later... It's not really on the top of people's lists anymore. It's not that big of a deal anymore. And I think as time goes by, it'll be one of those movies that was good, but we're talking about serious zombie films. Yeah. And I think it's such a shame because these the funnier ones to me. I just but see, I like I like humor mixed in my horror. I think yeah. it's a, it's a good. You have to have comic relief. If you don't let that boil with a little bit of humor, it's going to explode and it's not going to be pretty.
0: Right, right. And I, I appreciate that. And again, what you do and and what you appreciate in a film. Um, it, it, we've seen a lot of dumb, the, like zombie comedies come out. Like I think yeah. comedies that are just trying a little too much. Now I, I see a movie like uh, Fido, and I loved it. Um, uh-huh. Have you seen Fido? Yes. Yeah. yeah, great movie. I mean, did you mm-hmm. did you dig it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I, and, I thought it was well done. I think the black and white was an interesting, an interesting touch. It was a uh, yeah,
2: yeah, I
0: liked it. Yeah, but then the, 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 there are so many more out there that are just trying too hard. And again, I think they're just sort of copying a lot of things that have come before it, and trying to be eh, trying to be clever and humorous, and it just falls flat. Um, and that, oh, then you got like Shaun of the Dead, which I'm sure, you know. Oh,
1: good lord, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just like the crowning achievement
1: oh, of, cum, of zombie comedy. Yes, yes. That, is, yeah. that is. I have to say that is easily the best comedy zombie film. If I if I could write something as a third as funny, a fourth as funny, an eighth as mm. funny as Song of the dead, I could die happy. <laughs> well you're not is, British the funniest you know? movie. Well yeah. I know, I know, and I love it. And that's the thing about it is is that that was something else we were raised on with British humor.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh we sister and I didn't watch anything else but PBS. It was all Monty Python and all
2: Wow. Are I you, love
0: you Being
1: Served? Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and to this day I don't even have satellite anymore. What do I do? I download the British shows when I get a chance. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, and it, it's uh, it's funny because pretty much every zombie comedy that has come out since 2004, since Shaun of the Dead hit and just everybody loved, every comedy is saying this is the blank version of Shaun of the Dead. Of the like Dead, Zombieland you know? is a perfect example. This is the American Shaun of the Dead. And that's what sort of actually pissed me off about it, you know, all the hype coming up before it. Um, they were marketing that, Consciously as being the American Shaun of the Dead, um, and I hate seeing you know I hate seeing y- you trying to build build up your movie off of the success of this other really really great movie, um, yeah. you know and it's it's not good but I've heard so many of them now since then saying. Well, this is the whatever Shaun of the Dead. You know, this is the Australian Shaun of the... This is the, the Cuban Shaun of the Dead. This is, you know, <laughs> whatever. Seriously, there was one of the dead that just came out. And I haven't seen it yet, and I actually heard it. It's actually very good. But um, it... I think one of the things that came out press-wise before it was, this is the Cuban Shaun of the Dead. And I'm just like, damn it. Like, just let Shaun <laughs> be. I mean, come on, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, Seriously. Well- It just doesn't sound like words that should be in the same sentence. Yeah. This is the the Cuban shot of the dead. Yeah, yeah. Like, good Lord, (laughs) what does that even mean?
0: Yeah. But, I mean, that just, I think, says a lot for the effect that that movie had in the zombie genre, the zombie comedy genre, where everybody is trying to kind of bank on that now and just trying to say, hey, that movie was so great. Well, here's our version of it, but it's a little bit this, you know, or a little that. And uh, so... You know, that's, uh, that's really, really great. And uh, that's a movie that, that really rocked us. And I'm really happy, again, you know, going back to the dead, um, that you enjoyed that as a very current zombie film that did everything right. And, um, you know, people complain about it. People nick, nitpick things and, and stuff. But I'm like, enjoy this movie for what it is because it's awesome. Yeah. And, and literally, have you seen anything that even approaches this greatness, you know, in the past decade? Um, you no. know, and, and surely Romero can't hit this high mark again. I mean, he's,
2: no. <laughs> he's trying his damnedest, but man, he yeah. puts a
0: zombie on a horse and he lost me, you know, it's, yeah. uh,
2: wow. But, uh,
0: <laughs> well, fun stuff. Thank you for, for talking zombies with me tonight and just oh, no kind of going off on this thing, because again, I knew you were, you were a zombie fan yourself and so much more of a zombie expert than, than I am.
1: Oh, and, not uh, at all. Not I really all. had to
0: pick your brain on, <laughs> on a lot of this. but uh, I, I love to
1: talk zombies.
0: Thank you. Well, we're going to talk about a movie, and again, I think zombies may come into the discussion uh,
3: yes, here a little
0: bit. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, I, I'm like, hey, let's, let's kind of review or discuss a movie tonight is a fun way to wrap things up. And you picked, actually, you gave me a, a lot of great movies, but the one that really caught my eye, because I just talked about In the Mouth of Madness here a few episodes ago, Um, You talked about uh, Prince of Darkness, 1987. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, it's a John Carpenter film. This is his second film in his kind of unofficial, whatever, apocalypse trilogy that uh, began with The Thing, 82, and then ended with uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which was 89? I think
1: so.
0: Yeah. yeah. So this was his kind of apocalyptic thing. He... he, uh, they were not by any means sequels of each other, but they were telling apocalyptic tales um, that were actually very Lovecraftian, and uh, which I'd, I really uh, appreciated myself. But uh, was, uh, what was the reason that uh, you brought up Prince of Darkness?
1: Uh, well, I think for two reasons. I think one, uh, at the time that I had wrote you, I actually have just finished watching it again for, God, what, the 25th, 26th time. And uh, secondly, because uh, The Thing is actually my favorite film. And In the Mouth of Madness, I think it's probably my second favorite film. Um, so, of course, because this is sandwiched between the two, Prince of Darkness just immediately left to mind, so, which is why I had just finished watching it. Because we had just had a thing, uh, an outdoor showing. We got one of those uh, outdoor projectors.
0: And oh, put, nice!
1: Yeah, we put the thing up on the side of the house, and it was awesome.
0: Oh, I'm so jealous! It was
1: amazing. Yes, I know. And the projector actually, well, it didn't cost that much. I didn't think it was going to be that good because it's kind of, kind of a little, you know, cheap little toyish thing. But it did really, really well. And I dragged my uh, battery-powered amp outside and hooked it up. And I know the neighbors were wondering what we were doing. We actually live on the sticks, but one of our neighbors is particularly close. Everybody else is like a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> one neighbor, and I'm sure they were like, "What the hell is going on over there?" But yeah, yeah. And one of the things, the first thing we watched was the thing, and we had told Beautiful. people before they come over to that it was going to be an adult thing, there's going to be drinking, there's going to be partying, you know. Right. And these some of these this this, this guy brought some of his kids. They love horror movies. I'm like, this is the thing. Like, oh, we watch stuff about like Chucky all the time. I'm like, this ain't Chucky, baby.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I know, I know, we weren't supposed to talk about the thing, but no, the, the, no. i just say this. I'll say this one thing, and I'll be done with it. Within the first five minutes, we let the DVD, the the uh, menu, selection menu run for about five minutes because somebody called and said, wait on me. I'm coming oh, wow. around the corner. I'll be there <laughs> in five minutes. So we let the DVD menu selection run, and in five minutes of that, because I don't know if, you, if you're if you familiar with the selection menu. Oh, anything, yeah. That sound it makes, it goes up and comes back down. Right. In five minutes, the kids packed up and we're in the car. Wow. Just the selection <laughs> menu freaked them out. And that's, that's what I love about Carpenter's films is that yeah. – all of his films have that kind of atmosphere, and Prince of Darkness is no exception to that. If nothing else, Prince of Darkness is nothing but atmosphere. It lacks a lot in some other areas, yeah. but it is, it is pure atmosphere, it really is.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, we've seen a lot of that. that. That was kind of Carpenter's tendency, you know, after the thing, where he made great movies all throughout the 80s, but, uh, you know, they were sort of lacking here, but they were sort of awesome over yeah. there. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you give and you take a little bit. And I think overall, it's very, very positive. Um, and uh, this thing, I'll tell you what, he worked with Donald Pleasance again, of course, coming out of Halloween. Um, and I think, I, what did you think of how Donald pulled off this whole Vicar role? Um, you know, he was in the entire movie. He was basically the star of the film. He, he was yeah. there constantly. So what did you think of his performance?
1: I thought that uh, it's his best performance since uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band*.
2: Oh, good call.
1: <laughs> his, uh, everyone in it. Well, but my main—I would say an issue or a problem. But one of my main uh, things about the whole uh, *Prince of Darkness* film is that everyone's performance is—I don't want to say forced, but they all seem removed. Like they don't—I don't. It's like it's like uh. they don't really care about what's going on. Except for Donald Pleasant's character. He really gets into the fact that this is the devil. He
2: and is he's deeply really concerned, ab- yeah.
1: really upset by all this. Yes. Everybody else is kind of blase about it. They're like, eh, Satan, <laughs> eh, whatever. <laughs> right. Eh, giant, giant cylinder full of liquid that's 7,000, 7 million years like whatever.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, hey.
1: But Donald is like, you're not listening to me. Oh, We're yeah. Gonna uh, die.
0: <laughs> you know what's hilarious about that is I, I, I thought of that consciously whenever there's this whole really creepy group of people outside. The, all these homeless people who are mm-hmm. really creepy looking and they're kind of yeah. there staring at you. And literally, throughout the entire movie, they're just like, yeah, they just kind of walk past them and brush them off. They're just like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're, they're homeless. Wow, that's pretty weird. Okay, let's let's do what we're doing. And they don't give a second thought to, why the hell are all these really pale, staring homeless people gathered yeah. right here next to us? and staring at us day and night.
1: Um, I you what, like two, yeah. two of them, and I would have called the cops. One, I could have been okay with. But yeah. two, once you start getting two bombs together like that, no, you need to call the police. You need to come and clear these guys out. Yeah. This is weirding me out.
0: Especially if one of them is uh, Alice, <laughs> Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. Yes, because uh, this is so awesome. I'm watching this, and I haven't seen Prince of Darkness in years. And I pull this up, and I completely forgot that he had this cameo, this kind of, you know, bum sort of cameo in the movie. And uh-huh. so I pull this up, and I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, it, <laughs> "That that was am, I'm, am I remembering this wrong? I mean, that's got to be him. So I had to go look it up while I'm watching this again. And I'm like, Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah. And he's like, and the whole time I'm like, especially during some of the attack scenes and everything, I'm like, no more Mr. Nice
1: Guy, you know, and I just, it was was like,
0: just an unconscious thing, you know, that just happened. But, um,
1: what I I like about him being in it is that he doesn't, he doesn't just take it, it's not like a lead role where he screws it up, like, you know, some stars will do. Mm -hmm. And it's not like just a little walk-on role where he's like, you know, appears in a cafe and waves and that's it. This is a, a cameo, it's a, it's a minor cameo and he's in it for a considerable length of time considering a cameo. Mm -hmm. And he,
2: does really well.
1: Oh yeah,
0: he yeah. carries. <laughs> he is. He, he's so pale. A lot of that, I think, is the makeup, and he's very yeah. gaunt looking just by nature. And uh, he gets to kill some people, which is yeah. you know cool. Um, but uh, it, it's really cool that uh, you know because, of course, Alice Cooper is seen as being this big kind of character guy, you know, almost larger than life. Uh-huh. And so, like you said, you put it perfectly where it's it's almost. A temptation, I think, for filmmakers to overdo it mm-hmm. and to overuse him, but I think Carpenter used him to his strengths here. Were very subtle. Just, I mean, you you pale him up a little bit, and you just kind of walk him around, and then you, you get him to kill somebody later in the film, and and that was so effective. Um, it's
1: not a word you would associate with Alice Cooper subtlety.
2: Yeah,
0: right. But yeah, exactly.
1: And they pull it off. They kind of slip him in. It's like like you were saying, you didn't even remember him being in it, and then you see it, and you're like, oh wait a minute. I thought up? was that Alice Cooper. <laughs> yes, it was Alice Cooper, I and mean, he was
0: awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, and I I almost expected to hear some Alice Cooper song bust out in the background, you know, <laughs> something because again, in so many of the films that he has had a, more of a leading role in. It's like his music has taken over the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, whereas this one, um, I'm reading about, and and again, you know, I had to read about it to see well, did his music actually appear? And apparently it did very very quickly uh you know over somebody's earphones in the movie, and i didn't even catch it but uh so he really sort of underplayed the whole Alice mm-hmm. Cooper thing, which is great um so i I really respected that, and uh I think it makes it so much cooler rather than seeing him up there and being the the star the guy and who's given constant yeah. attention and overdone so've got to applaud that um. But uh, yeah, performances. You know, you said they were kind of blase, and I I kind of agree, especially in the the Asian guy. Um, he was um, I I I think he was gay. What he was gay, but he he was sort of I think he was sort of bi. I don't know because he talked about liking being dominated by women, but then he talked about being gay, and so I I don't know. Which is actually a very interesting thing that they explored in 1987, um, being very open. About gay themes, you know, and and he's just gay, he was going on a date with some gay lawyer or something, and so you know that was that was really cool because there was nothing either positive nor negative about that whole thing. you know, nobody was making fun of him because of the sexual thing um, but uh I don't know he had some lines, and this has nothing to do with the with the whole uh, homosexual themes or anything, but just the way he portrayed himself sometimes it was just like it was so forced um there there were some lines he delivered where it was way overacting and
1: it it just hell out of me
0: yeah yeah it um (laughs) but uh but yeah even even our our hero the the guy with the mustache and i can't think of his name now other than it was the guy with the mustache um
1: i think that's uh, how most people remember him
0: yeah yeah that was a that was a Pretty great mustache he had going on it was there. It an
1: awesome mustache. Feathered no, that's hair. That's kind of mustache that will get you laid, and it did.
0: It did. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he found the first redhead he could find, and, you know, he...
1: Redheads love mustaches. What can I say? That's
0: just it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, talking about this, and again, I, I just... I go off on so many tangents. I just talk about these films, and I just go here and there all over the place. But this was so 80s. Again, another thing I forgot upon re-watching this now, is how 80s this was.
1: It was very 80s.
0: Yes, yes. You know, th- this guy, again, with the feathered hair and the mustache, who is totally cool, totally hip, totally got the girl, even with the creepy kind of look that he had going on from, you know, how I see things now. Um, you know, from, uh, you know, of course, the, the Asian guy we were talking about, wearing kind of the, he wore a lot of, like Miami Vice kind of kind of outfits, yeah. you know, with the pink <laughs> and the pastels and stuff. And, you know, just so much of what you saw was so 80s. Now, this wasn't as 80s as maybe like They Live, you know, some of the other 80s stuff that Carpenter did um, mm-hmm. that really, really kind of hit you in the face with 80s. But, uh, no, but at the same time, it's a great horror film, Um man i uh, there's so much, but what scares you about this what what's what's horrific about this film for you
1: I think probably what scares me the most about it is uh, the uh, the stuff in the cylinder being alive and sort of growing and being sentient and having a, a canister of liquid as telekinesis hmm. that is frightening and the way it uh, basically possessed. Now we're getting into the zombie thing. It's essentially a zombie film. It really is. Yeah. You have people that die and they come back. They're 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 possessed and controlled by whatever this thing turns out to be. Uh, there's they touch a little bit on perhaps Jesus being an alien. One of the main problems with the film is that they don't explore the mythology they're trying to set up enough. Hmm. I don't think he had enough time for this film. Right. I don't. I think there was too much to do. The, the, the biggest issue with it is that it tries it tries to explore evil in the terms of quantum physics, but somewhere along the way it loses its translation because you can't go from highbrow scientific <laughs> discussions to your average audience member, and it gets lost. Yeah. So they and and two they they really didn't have enough gore uh, mm-hmm. for even for an '80s film. It was very subtle again with that word. It was very very understated on the on the horror front. But it is full of atmosphere. And I think that's the thing that gets me the most is that it is just it's just the whole feeling is just super creepy. And then all the the homeless people outside, all the bugs. That's a yes, lot of bugs.
2: The bugs.
0: And
1: the worms crawling up the windows. What what the hell's up with that? <laughs> and no one seems even more than mildly freaked out by these things. You know, you get more yeah. than three you get more than three bums together. I walk in an emergency room. You get more than three bums together, yeah. You you don't want that. You need to break that up. You know, you get a whole bunch of bugs together crawling on the window. Yeah, that would freak me out. Why is, why is nobody concerned about these things? I understand there's like a 2,000-year-old you know, cylinder in the basement with a lock apparently on the inside. Whose idea was that? You know, <laughs> carbon dating on it 7 million years. Okay, whatever. That's really interesting. But there are worms crawling up the window. Why don't we address this
0: first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was, I mean, again, you know, going back to the whole, you know, the homeless, the crowd outside just staring you down constantly. You know, they, they seem to really brush off a lot of these obvious things. And it was, um, I don't know, a feeling of cluelessness throughout this whole film, which I think, again, Carpenter was going for because they didn't know why they were there. You know, why are they gathering all these students, all these researchers together to just go into this basement of this old church and look at this weird green glowing thing? I mean, why, why is it? Um, but there were some things, I, I mean, some common sense things that I think you and I would have paid some more attention to and questioned more. Um, and, I, you know, I saw the bugs and the, the worms and sort of thing. I started thinking of uh, a lot of uh, like uh, Fulci and Argento. And I don't know if you're into, like, the whole Italian horror thing and, and like, Zombie 2 and maybe, like, Suspiria. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, those, you know, Fulci, Argento, they used a lot of those kind of weird, like, bugs and maggots and worms and stuff. Because to because they're gross. Yeah. And I kind of got that feel. I was yeah. kind of like, wow, I think they're going to kind of use this as a, as a real, and they, and they did in prince mm-hmm. of darkness especially i'm thinking towards the end there's a certain character who sort of zombifies and he's standing outside and he's like pray for death and he yeah. has that weird kind of reverb effect on his voice whatever it is
2: uh-huh. and then
0: his head like pops off his body yeah. and his body erupts with all these it's bugs bug. all these roach things whatever they are yeah, and yeah, it is so gross, and it's so, again. I'm thinking of <laughs> Fulci and Argento and these kind of Italian things, but it seemed like the characters in the film were nowhere near as freaked out by, you know, this guy. Basically, this is kind of zombie guy that you just saw down in the parking lot. He just erupted into like a million bugs, and you know, you're not really all that concerned about it.
1: No, yeah. and if you think, and if you think about the bugs that he uses in the films, like earthworms and beetles, and roaches, he, he, he tends to lean towards things that, uh, bugs like decay. Yes. And that's sort of a, I don't know if that's a statement he was going for, but that that just kind of reflects the the the, the feel of, of, of the movie, how everything is decaying and running down, and society, morality itself is just decaying, and that's why this thing is able to come loose. Hmm. That's what's
0: actually really clever. <laughs> It is, but, uh, but, you know, I think you said it on, on a lot of levels. He was kind of trying to achieve something that was just way unattainable for like a 90-minute film.
2: Yeah. You know, even
0: 100 minutes. I think it went like an hour 40, whatever. But uh, when you combine like deep historic religion, I mean, he was going back to texts that were in like yeah. Hebrew and Aramaic and things. But, you know, that's bad enough. But then you'd go into the whole quantum physics thing, and he was mm-hmm. talking about atoms and subatomic particles oh, and yeah. it, like time travel and the speed Tapping of light. And I yeah. mean, holy shit. I mean, do you, it, I mean uh, and it kind of made sense. I mean, he, he, he sort of made sense of everything as, as best he could in, in this movie, but it's just like, man, you were, you were going. I think too many places, too many technical places to explain this to like a very simplified sort of horror audience. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. That was, uh, but despite all this and it it might sound negative, you know, everything I'm saying and and stuff. I mean, I love this film. I really love it. Um, um, Lovecraftian is, is something that comes to mind.
1: It is. It is. And both, all three of them are saying, and, and, This one, and especially in the mouth, especially in the mouth of madness. Yeah, yeah. very Lovecrafty, and I'm I'm heavily influenced uh, by Lovecraft. I have a a photograph hanging behind me where I write on the wall, and it has a picture of four guys that. Well, I, it, it's mostly men. I'm I'm mostly influenced by men in my life, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, it's a shame. I know I should I should you know have a female author idol, but I don't. And uh, the four guys in the photographs, uh, Neil Gaiman, first of all. Nice. Because he could transcribe the phone book, and I would read it. (laughs) I I swear, anything that man puts to paper, yeah, I'm all over his tweets, his twits, whatever. He's awesome, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Stephen King, of course, you know, Mm. goes without saying. And uh, Terry Pratchett is there on the end. Very nice. Love Terry, love Mason Pratchett, genius, freaking genius. And Lovecraft is uh,
2: Mm. one
0: of the the
1: fellows. And uh, yeah, I'm a huge Lovecraftian fan. I love to hear, I love to, I don't talk much Lovecraft with people because I find that people either know Lovecraft and read Lovecraft and understand Lovecraft, which is kind of hard to do, yeah. or they know of Lovecraft, and that's the majority <laughs> of them. They can say the yeah. word Lovecraft, and they can say the word Cthulhu, and they might put the T's and the H in the right place occasionally. <laughs> but on the whole, it's lip service, which is fine because, you know, he needs as much lip service as every other dead author out there. But I find that, that people rarely actually have read his stuff. And e- even I have not read it in depth, intense, that I would like to. But uh, I've read the majority of it, especially shorts. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, he's got just a couple of longer pieces uh, uh, The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, I think, is one of them. And uh, there's another one that was, I can't think of it right now. But uh, yeah, Lovecraftian is a, is a very, very good word for uh, for, his, for this little trilogy. Yeah, and a lot of people don't see the thing as being that, but I, I do. Oh, I, I, de- yeah. I definitely do.
0: Oh, absolutely, because the thing, and especially this film, and again, you know, the, you know, in the um, in the mouth of madness, um, one of the first uh, Lovecraft stories that I think of is at the mountains of madness, um, mm-hmm. and I think. Again, The Thing and Prince of Darkness, especially, um, there are a lot of things that Carpenter borrows uh, from The Thing. It was the whole Arctic, you know, kind of snowy atmosphere, um, Uh you know, that he borrowed from that. But in this, I I saw that right away because he's bringing together uh, a lot of researchers, a lot of college students, you know, uh, and and things to sort of go out and explore this thing that they've just kind of found. They don't know what it is. And, -hmm. of course... the the stories kind of um, go apart from each other at that point and don't really have anything to do with each other at that point. But, uh, again, I saw a direct influence. Um, And uh, so uh, was there any other Lovecraft that you saw in this? Other than, of course, I mean, there were the old ones. You know, you saw Satan... It's it's funny, and I hope I'm not spoiling this, but I don't care just for the sake of discussion. I mean, S- Satan was was basically this big green blob in this vial in the basement of a church. And that was Satan sort of incarnate. And Satan was not the ultimate evil because there was an evil even sort of above him, which was his father, kind of this anti-god. Yeah. And Satan's role in coming back through this green goo and sort of possessing people was to, um, usher in his father, the anti-God, the ultimate evil, the, uh, yeah, the ultimate answer, the ultimate opposite of what God is and and what goodness is and, and whatever. So, um, again, we're seeing sort of these old ones, you know, yeah. sort of, uh, you know, these beings that are in some other world now, other than ours, but were once here, and and sort of set things into motion, but are now removed, and so now they want to come back, and they're so malevolent. Um, and we so, also
1: yeah. well, we also have the influence of the water with the, with the him being trapped in a living. yes yes um, we have him being trapped in the mirror, which on the other side, of course, is under a depth of water. Um, yes. We see that a lot of in Lovecraftian. Uh, fiction with the references of the old ones being in Riley, I think it's pronounced. I, I always get this wrong. And it's, of course, underwater. And Cthulhu <laughs> right. is underwater. Um, and then there's the dream influences in the film mm-hmm. with getting the, the future future bites. And if you haven't seen Prince of Darkness and We're Ruining for You, where have you been? Yeah. So you should have seen this already. So <laughs> You've had
0: like 25 years, so yeah, what the basically. hell.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, with the future images of the dream is uh, 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 the Brotherhood of Sleep. Yeah. So you're, getting that, you're getting that influence in there. And, and I agree with you the way he brings all the researchers together to talk about this. That's a classic Lovecraftian theme. Yeah. If they find a relic and they don't know what it is, so they get all these smart people together to talk about it. And then, of course, the relic starts affecting everybody, and the next thing you know, they've all gone crazy and they've killed each other. So right. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it is. It's
0: very lovecraftian. Yeah, yeah, and that was a big thing Carpenter was going for in this trilogy, you know, everything um, that he does, and so I, I think that's what uh, makes him a a great director um, yeah. that I appreciate. And you know, he's done some things that are, you know, not so good, but you'll have that.
1: You'll Hit or have miss. that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, this one is definitely worth seeing. It's on Netflix instant. Oh, right now, uh, which yesterday. is great because there aren't many Carpenter films on uh, great Carpenter no. films on on Instant. Um,
1: In the so. Mouth of Madness is on for a little while, but they took it off again. Yeah, well, yeah. I've watched uh, I watched it twice again today.
0: <laughs> that's weird because I watched it's this so movie good. twice today as well. This is yeah yeah it's Plus so it's weird. So good. Well yeah well, I woke. Oh I'm sorry I I, I woke up and I'm like. I need to be able to really talk about this film tonight, so I'm going to watch it. So I watched it first thing in the morning while I was kind of, you know, doing stuff to to really get the day off, you know, started off. And so it's weird to start your day off with Prince of Darkness. And,
2: it is, know. yeah.
0: And then this afternoon, again, I'm like, I really need another feel for this film. You know, I I'm talking with Tanya Brown, so I got to <laughs> I, I got to know my shit. You know, so. And so, that's uh,
1: strange, because I did the same thing. I, when I got home from work this morning, I was like, i got to watch this movie, so I sat down and watched it right quick. And then when I got up this evening, I was like, I, gotta, I need to watch it again, because I'm talking to, you know, talking to Cora. I've, I've got to know what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm just a hack. You don't, you know, you, know, you, you can, whatever. Oh,
1: but I took uh, notes.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. So did I. I mean, I have a whole <laughs> list here of, of stuff just, uh, you know, crazy. As, as I was going through the movie, I'm just like, oh, i got to, Oh, man, that guy just exploded into a million bugs. I gotta, yeah, I'll got i make a note of that, man. I did,
3: I did, too. Like, this is so
1: going to be a blog post when I get done with it.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Great Minds, you know, what they say about Great Minds, you know. What, there you go. Well, hey, hey. But uh, I would recommend this to any horror fan. Yeah. Uh, whether, you know, it doesn't need to fall into any specific uh, order of viewing. I mean, you can see this if, by some weird chance... That you haven't seen the thing, um, which oh god, yeah. Don't, no, don't don't make me. Don't
1: even tell me that. Don't even tell me you haven't seen it. Yeah. That's what anyone out there don't don't email me. Don't tell me you haven't seen the thing because I'm I'm just going to bring it to your house and show it to you. That's the law.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the law, uh, it's written. That's one of the greatest horror films. Yes, it is. Um, which is hilarious to me because it's a remake, and yeah. so many people <laughs> are like shitting on remakes right now, <laughs> and I'm like I know. I'm like. You love the thing, right? Oh, yeah. Well,
1: that's a yeah. remake. Yeah. I love to tell people that. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, uh, yeah. So, um, there are three things that I've, that I've learned from watching Prince of Darkness. I've come to a conclusion. is that, And you said this earlier, that smart people are just as stupid as stupid people in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, none of those people paid attention to anything around them. They were so. And I think Carpenter was trying to go for the fact that they were so focused. And that's yeah. another Lovecraftian theme, again, is that you get the people that are so smart, they don't realize what's happening around them. Right. That's, that's, that's the way he always writes his really smart characters. And then his more country characters kind of have a clue as to what's going on, and they usually get the hell out before anything starts.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah. The second thing I learned is that a crucified pigeon is hobo sign for your screws. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you know what hobo sign is, but yeah. 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 It's oh. a, that's a, definitely true. Definitely true. And then number three mirrors hold the devil.
0: Yes, they like do. You
1: know, yeah, Like we didn't already know that, but yeah, mirrors hold the devil. So anybody out there, just the next time you look in a mirror, guess who you're looking at.
0: Yep, yep. Although you're All you're right. maybe kind of a little safe with like, uh, you know, your little powder puff mirror. You know, yes, the little apparently, thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, the little compact. The compact yeah, for yeah, safe. Right. You can stick your fingers down in there, but you can't do anything, you know, maybe you could pull out a, a thumbnail or something. Yeah. But yeah, so full-length mirrors. Let's just say I don't have any full-length mirrors in my house. Because I've seen this movie. I hate full-length mirrors because of this
0: movie. <laughs> Be careful with your with your bigger mirrors.
1: There
2: you go.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this was a blast. Tanya, man, thank you, uh, thank you. for just uh, you know talking with me about everything that you do. And then, of course, Prince of Darkness, which is a, a brilliant film. Um, and uh, I don't know why I, d- I don't have you on the show more often. Because...
1: I'm
0: here. Call me anytime. <laughs> well, I'm going to hold you to that. So, uh, yeah,
1: please
0: do. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, um, your website is uh, thebackseatwriter.com. Yes, and you have a lot of great things on there, a lot of stuff about you, where you can go to uh, buy a lot of your books and, and check out yeah. a lot of what you've done. And you have a lot of free stuff that you post there that people can read just for free and, and see if they right. dig it. If they dig it, hey, you can buy it. If not, that's cool. You know, you got to read some cool stuff. So um, I I love your—it looks great, too. I mean, you've you. You got a great great site there. So
1: Thank you. Philip but, Rogers did my uh, skull with the Baron LaCroix uh, nice. symbol on the top of it. He's an amazing artist. He does a lot of my covers. He has a cover Skin Trade and the Needs and Lucky Stiff, and I'm just— I'm working on Sundowners. This is the next one that's going to come out soon. It's in final edits right now, and we're working on a cover for it. And uh, hmm. It's actually, speaking of which, it's a Lovecraftian southern backwoods horror. Yes. Yes, it is. It's about oh. the nature of the muse, it's about family, and it's about gossip and uh, how all these come together.
0: Oh. Again, Tanya, I'm going to ask this. Why have I not been reading more of your stuff?
1: I don't you know. know. Up and... <sighs> I've been here. I don't I don't know You why. have been. And
0: I think I think more people need to read your things and to know about you and how awesome you are and oh, and the you. cool things that you read or that you write because uh it is so different than 99% of anything else horror that you're going to find out there. So um okay. you know, absolutely. Thebackseatwriter.com. Where else mm-hmm. um you're on Facebook and and everything. Uh Yes. So yes. anywhere Facebook
1: is- Backseat Rider. It's you have to drop the V. It's just Backseat Rider Cool. for Facebook. Yeah, cool. and then uh, Railroad is at steampunktrain.blogspot.com. It's a weird, weird Western web serial. I've been running about a year and a half now, and it's a tremendous amount of fun. People seem to like it. There's a zombie in it. Nice. See, again, again, he's not your traditional zombie. So hey.
0: yeah, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> so, well, again, thank you uh, for spending so much time with me tonight. And, uh, of course I could have drugged this on like hours longer. And, I uh,
1: honestly, I could go on about zombies <laughs> and the darkness and stuff for probably another hour. <laughs>
0: <where> <laughs> well, I'm hoping that, uh, we can do this again and that, uh, you'll, you'll come on and we'll just, we'll just keep talking. Cause, uh, again, I just knew that this was going to be a great, you know, segment for the show and a, a great interview, uh, from knowing you from before. And, uh, you know, this was indeed, indeed a great thing. And, uh, we will, we will, in fact, in, uh, do this again. So, thank you, Tanya, and... Uh, thank you. Hey, have a great night. You
1: too.
2: What is this?
0: That's your plate of nerdity. This is not nerdity.
2: How can you even call this
0: nerdity? That's what's on the menu.
2: I want you to go
0: in the back... And give me all the full frontal nerdity that you have. Wait. I know what you heard is give me a lot of full frontal nerdity. No. Give me all the full frontal nerdity that you have. Yes, sir. A Little Dead Podcast Your place for full
2: frontal nerdity
0: You can find episodes on our website at www.littledead.com You can download us from iTunes and you can join us on our Facebook page Well, if you've been keeping up with the Electric Chair website, like I hope you've been, uh, you've seen that my friend Florida Possum recently submitted a review for this really awesome zombie short called Velvet Road. And right now I'm honored to be talking with the director of Velvet Road, L. Gustavo Cooper. Sir, welcome to the Electric Chair.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Now, uh, I don't know if you read Florida Possum's review uh, that she put up, but it was very good uh she she really really liked Velvet Road um and I have to agree this was a, a just a fantastic piece of filmmaking and I'm shocked to see you know I look at your IMDB page and this is like the only thing listed on there so um first of all if you could just tell everybody a little bit about uh Velvet Road kind of what it's about without spoiling too much and then uh kind okay. of maybe how it came to be how you came to come into this uh director role
3: um Okay, well, I'll start off with what Velvet Road is. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot to
0: lay on y'all at once, so I, I apologize.
3: Velvet Road is a short film that takes place during the 1960s, during the Civil Rights Movement. Um, and, and there just so happens to be a zombie apocalypse that breaks out during this time. Um, the The whole story takes place during uh, during this outbreak where this man and woman have to race down this road to try to save uh their child and uh, um she's been exposed to this virus and the whole world thinks that the minorities are the one that caused it so um they actually i don't want to give away all the film but they don't make it very far and they end up uh having a lot of obstacles that they have to overcome
0: yeah yeah and it's it's a great ride you take us on it's uh very non-linear um very beautiful actually the first thing that that strikes you about this man is just the the artistry uh visually that went into it um i mean we see a lot of great great visual elements so uh how much um how much of that was was kind of your your doing your 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 direction i guess well it's all your direction you were the director but um how much of that i guess was your vision as far as the overall look of it and how much was kind of left up to the dp and maybe art direction things like that
3: well um i uh a little bit of my background this is actually a great time to kind of introduce where i come from yes. um i i was very uh Oriented with the camera for a really long time. I started off Shooting skateboarding films and Mm. doing a lot of that when I was younger and uh, I decided that I wanted to see if I could do Something with that and became a filmmaker Um, after that I did a bunch of uh, uh, I guess You would call it assistant work for this this guy named Mark Cole who is a DP and he does a lot of like uh, reenactments for uh, America's Most Wanted Oh, cool. <laughs> so that's kinda where I got my feet wet. Oh, it's like oh. I was his A C and I did a lot of America's Most Wanted. So um I've always been a very visual person and I this was actually my first chance of trying to do something narrative. I've done music videos and I've done skate videos and I've done commercials, but I've never done anything narrative before. And um I wrote I wrote this in college and, and i approached a bunch of my friends here and i was like you know do you guys want to make this movie with me and they were like sure i guess you know (laughs) you don't really want to make another zombie film so i kind of had to talk them into it because none of them wanted to make a zombie film (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Um, but I, i sold them on the idea and then uh i got Uh, Jonathan Shepard who ended up producing it and I got some backing from Dwayne Sykes. Um, He also he helped me, uh, he executor produced it and then uh, I approached this guy uh, Andrew Howell who actually shot it and um, before we went into shooting like principal photography I had this idea that I wanted to shoot it like a western Hmm. I've been uh, a lot of um, like there will be blood and uh, that movie, uh, no country for old men mm-hmm. those were kind of my influences going into it visually. I was like, I really, mm-hmm. I'm a really want bleak, like cowboy country, Western feel to it, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of where, uh, Andrew and myself met each other in the middle. Um, he was really on board with what I was trying to accomplish. And, and uh, he just nailed it, you know? Um, so it was this big collaborative monster that came together, and we made, we made a really pretty zombie movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> to say the least. Um, this thing, it, it's, I think, one of the best-looking um, zombie efforts that I've seen out there in a long time. I mean, man, if this is what you do on your first shot at a narrative, <laughs> dude, I can't wait. To see what you got next. Um, this is really, really great. Now, um, there is a trailer available for it right now. It's on YouTube and Vimeo. Um, so, uh, I, of course, I'll put all the links up for that where people can watch. It. And it's there's actually also- on, on
3: uh, Florida Possum's review.
0: Um, there's
3: also behind-the-scenes, too. Oh, um, I yeah, missed that. Yeah, I, I can send you that. And uh, there's also um, an uh, Indiegogo video and how we went to raising the money to get to where we are today Um, and that's pretty cool because you see the steps from beginning like where we were concepting everything and trying to figure out like you know how are we going to get this much money and and, uh i have all the storyboards up there so you can see like this is what i was looking at this is what i wanted to do the storyboards actually match pretty freaking close compared to the film so it was it's all very exciting Wow. Um, and I can send you those links as soon as we get done with this.
0: That would be awesome. I, I can't wait to watch them, and I'll put them up for, for everybody that uh, gets on the website, too, because uh, especially seeing this, I mean, we're going to be making people, I think, so excited to go and see this. Um, now, uh, as far as getting it out there, I mean, you're marketing things right now. Are you looking into uh, any kind of festival circuit kind of thing, or how are you looking to get this out there?
3: Yeah, we actually, uh, this Thursday, I go up to New York to uh, premiere, it's our world premiere of the film. Um, nobody's seen it besides you guys and everyone that's done the reviews. And mm. um, I'm very anxious to see what other people think. Uh, mm. So far, I just found this out not even an hour ago, we're nominated for best short wow. uh, at the New York City International Film Festival. So- um,
0: oh, Congratulations.
3: We're we're really excited. Uh, we've gotten in over, we've entered over thirty festivals, and we've gotten into five so far.
0: Wow, man, incredible! Well, congratulations on that. Um, I'll just put a plug in here for my festival. I don't know if you applied to uh, the Erie Horror Film Fest um, up here in Erie, Pennsylvania, but uh, it's a great film festival that uh, shows some really really wonderful things. So, uh, and check out Erie because I know I. I don't think you'd have a problem. Now I can't speak for the organization, but if I were the judge of what gets in there, yours would be top billing, man, and you'd be—I mean, this thing is uh, is really fantastic. So um, I,
3: I'm not sure if we entered or not, but I can double check. Um, I actually uh, have um, a, a little group that's helping me do all the packaging and DVA, and, uh, which is the company I work for. Mm-hmm. They're they're helping me launch this film in hopes to get a feature Uh-oh. so
2: uh,
3: we've got everything set up as far as uh, we go up to new york and there's a, a market <laughs> festival that's happening it's like a market slash festival and mm. one of the days is supposed to be where distributors and producers and all that stuff meet up so th- i mean this is all new to us you know what i mean we're yeah. like oh, <laughs> we're kind of freaking out because i mean i'm pretty young i just got a, i just graduated film school in december Wow. And yeah it's, we're kind of just like okay this is gonna be fun I guess.
0: <laughs> well that's funny because I saw the film and I had never physically seen you before and I it, it was at the point I didn't even get on your IMDB yet and I didn't know much about you at all and so you come up and I, I kind of expected to see an older kind of se- more seasoned film veteran you know a guy that's done a lot of movies and this is kind of your crowding achievement of your career you know that you've been working up towards but you're just starting out and you're young and yeah. uh this is such a breath of fresh air you know you talked about you mentioned making a zombie movies to your or a zombie movie to your friends and they were just like nah, not another zombie movie you don't want to make one because yeah. it's so stale there's so much out there and so much of it is bad it is and,
3: and uh one of one of the things that that really stuck out to me i'm a huge walking dead fan like huge walking dead awesome. fan and uh one of the things that stood out to me and i don't know i mean i'm sure all, everyone out there remembers the uh the girl on the bicycle scene yes. where i think it's the second episode he uh he sees the girl with her legs cut off and and she's crawling across the ground and i remember that scene where he just like had that moment where he was like you know that was a human at one point you know mm-hmm. and then he goes back later and I don't want to spoil anyone who's seen it, but if you haven't seen it, you're not a true horror fan. Yeah. Uh, he goes back and he, and he you know, puts her down. Mm. And uh, that, would, to me, like was one of the most uh, humanizing pieces of uh, horror zombie genre that I've ever seen. And that's actually that was a huge influence for why I started writing this. I, I was going to say
0: I I... that scene particularly had to be a direct influence on *Velvet Road*. No, um, it definitely was. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I, I won't say anything more than that, but uh, <laughs> I definitely I, I thought of that very scene as a matter of fact um, when I saw *Velvet Road*. So, uh, but uh, you, you know, you talk about *The Walking Dead*, and actually, this has a lot of that look of *The Walking Dead*. Um, you know, visually, you know, *The Walking Dead* is very stunning. Except now. I don't think you used any cg and if you did it was maybe like very very little did you use any
3: we did a little bit of compositing um the stuff that's in the car is actually shot green screen and you'll see that in the behind the scenes really yeah Man. (laughs) yeah we had a very good uh uh special effects team um so create out of nashville actually helped us with this we had some pretty big like guys come in and, and uh our producer john shepherd he was like you know he, he's this guy that's been doing this for a while and he's kind of i mean he's the main reason why we were able to pull off what we did because he just i got a friend oh you know i got a guy like i know a guy <laughs> who can do this i know a guy who can do that you know what wow, i mean yeah and uh, they all read the script and we like yeah we're on we're on board so um we, got, we did that, and then I don't want to ruin the rest of the scene but, uh, or the rest of the film, but there's a couple of things towards the end that uh, were taken out. <laughs> oh, that. man.
0: Wow. That, uh, uh, so the, the behind-the-scenes stuff is exciting to me, and, and you mentioned uh, – so you're looking to, to possibly, hopefully, flush this out to like a, uh, like a feature kind of we, thing.
3: We've, we've got the feature flushed out, actually. Uh, it's, oh. it's written. It's ready to go um it's very it's very cool and i I will mention i'll mention one thing if it does get made i think we'll be the first people to have kkk zombies
0: wow yeah because we've seen a (laughs) lot of nazi zombies it's like how much more evil can you get than nazi zombies well the kkk zombies i mean that's brilliant
3: yeah (laughs) i hope nobody steals that
0: (laughs) well hey it's it's right here you did it first so you know anybody else that does it's ripping you off man so it's on the record but uh
3: so we're very excited um we've got everything ready uh we've got a pitch book together um it's very cool it looks kind of like a comic book um i I don't have it it comes in tomorrow If, if i had it i'd show it to you but uh the the whole the whole premise behind the film is to take uh, uh the idea of ignorance and the idea of uh racism and the idea of blaming uh just people for anything you know what i mean right. without having any uh information or any uh reasoning for doing those things that we have done in the past and even some of the things that we do now, you know.
2: Hmm. So
3: um, that's really the message we were trying to get across. Um, I'm a zombie fan. I'm not a huge zombie fan or a big horror fan, but we uh, we were just, you know, we wanted to try to tell a cool story in a different way. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of where our film came from. You know, it was like uh, we were trying to do something different, I guess, without being too different. <laughs> yeah without without saying it directly is that hatred is what spawns these zombies hmm. um it's not we're not saying that the disease comes from people that just hate and then they become zombies but uh if you noticed uh anyone that became a zombie in the film uh had some sort of hatred or some sort of uh fear or something that was thrown onto them and that was kind of the idea we were playing with is like what if hatred was so strong that it could just change who you were you know and i mean we see that all the time hmm. um, if anyone has seen the movie Mississippi Burning that was a huge uh, influence on the film wow um,
2: yeah
3: we we really wanted to play with uh I, i'm i'm from florida I will always say that nobody, w- nobody will ever change that. Um, mm. and anybody from Florida knows that if you're not white, you're something else. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes it's really subtle and sometimes it's not. Um, hmm. I actually, the story came from, uh, this, uh, this story that I had heard from my grandmother and, um, she lives in a place called live Oak. Mm-hmm. And Live Oak is a very small town in uh in uh, south of uh Jacksonville, Florida, where I live and um about thirty years ago, there was a kid who was lynched for whistling at a white woman and uh I was sitting with my grandmother and we were at this uh this spring, and I jumped in the spring and came out and she told me the story about how they found the body down by the uh, the spring about 30 years ago and it was crazy mm. to her people we were still doing that you know right and right. I went home with that feeling really creepy that, that I just jumped into this, this yeah screen, you know, there's a dead body floating around in there and and uh I oh. wanted to try to make I wanted to try to write something that I could make so yeah. I went home and I was like hey this is I'm gonna try to make something that's tangible that i can do and uh it can take place somewhere where there's not a whole lot of locations and there's not a whole lot of uh extras i have to bring in and i wanted to try to make something that was just strong and emotional with as few characters as i possibly could mm-hmm. so that's kind of where that all came from.
0: Yeah, you did that so well. And uh, whenever I asked you, we were emailing back and forth, and I was asking you, you know, what influenced you? You know, are there there's some movies that did. And, you know, the two that you came up with were The Walking Dead and, of course, Mississippi Burning. And those two are blended perfectly. I think, you know, you took you took uh, a lot of the fear and the hatred and just the, the atrocities. I mean, this so much especially you watch the mississippi burning and it's so atrocious the things that happen just the the outright hatred and uh, the racial things that went on that i don't think a lot of people especially us yankees you know up here i'm in pennsylvania you know and i haven't i haven't really been Im- immersed um in that uh i guess that segment of culture yeah and uh
3: it, it's, it's a different feeling um i mean i went i grew up in a uh I guess I went to some nicer schools, my dad was like a maintenance man at a condo place Mm. and we got to live there for free but everyone else was like super wealthy and Mm. I've heard like parents being like, oh, you you know, he's not allowed in here and it was just because I want to say it was the color of my skin and and our class level, like we just didn't have a lot of money. Mm you know, I never, I never walked away from from those moments, going, I hate these people because of that. I was just more or less like, I, as I grew older, I started to understand what divided us, and I think the idea of the film is to to really take that take that idea and take the 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 separation of classes and the separation of uh, skin color and play with that you know what if a zombie apocalypse broke out during this time Mm -hmm. Um, you know they would they would blame the people that are the easiest to blame and i mean we've done that forever you know first it was uh you know i remember when uh aids was the big epidemic you know it was the blacks and it was the gays and right and then you know and i don't know if you remember but like even as far as medieval times like the black plague was blamed on like uh, witches and jews and oh yeah stuff like so it was like you know not it it's just i don't know why uh i mean i guess romero explored that idea a little bit you mm-hmm. know
0: oh absolutely yeah yeah
3: uh, he had his he had his character in the in the first film but when i watched an interview about it And people were like, you know, that was such a great message that you had your lead actor as a black male. He was like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. He was just the best actor out of my friends.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's actually funny because the, um, you know, the role of Ben in that movie originally, as it was written, um, he was supposed to be a lot kind of dumber. He was kind of the the dumb trucker kind of guy. He was not supposed to be portrayed as like the intelligent African American guy, you know, that really was the only one that had his head on straight throughout the whole movie right, and pulled it. everything
3: together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so originally it was written as he was just kind of your stereotypical, you know, black guy from the sixties. Um mm-hmm. but, you know, of course, you know, Dwayne Jones comes in and he he completely changed it and did a brilliant job, transformed that character and really I think made a statement for that that point in time. But uh So yeah, it is funny how how he did change that role though. And uh our
3: uh our actors that actually came in, um, I don't know if you recognize any of them, but Tom Martin um was our main actor and he played Bobby. He was actually the uh I don't know if you've seen the Heineken Light commercials with the bare knuckle boxing and the handlebar mustache. Oh yeah, yeah. That's no way. Yeah, that's (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, he's uh He's he's actually does really well with uh, commercial work, and he's done a bunch of short films. And John was actually a buddy of his, and um, he approached him with the script, and he came on board. But he actually he really transformed that character that that we wrote from uh, from. We didn't want to make him like this bigot guy, you know what I mean? Right. We wanted it to be more like he was in that society, and he understood that, you know. I'm not supposed to like you. I don't know how to feel about this right now, you know, but I have other things going on. You're the least of my worries. And and he took that and actually gave it this uh, this thing where you could, um, he gave it a feeling that you could really relate to in being in that situation, you know. So I love what he did. And then our, our character, uh, Miles, um, he's actually a local local talent here in Jacksonville. Mm. Uh, he used to have dreads down, like <laughs> all the way down his back. And he actually cut them all off for that role. Wow. Throwing them for like ten years or something. I, I was like, I was so freaked. Out. And he's like, <laughs> that I had to, I had to approach him and go, "Hey, man, will you cut those dreads?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh my God, wow. I can't believe." This. And I, I talked wow. to my producer. I think we're gonna have to recast this. I don't want to make it. <laughs> and he's like no, no, he's great, and I'm like, I know, but I just feel so bad that he's-. <laughs> and uh, I'm so happy that he did <laughs> yeah. he, he was awesome, you know um, and then uh, Heather Ricks was the other girl that, that mm. uh, she was our, our lead actress and um, if you watch anything that Heather Ricks has done, this is completely out of her nor- ordinary she is uh, a very uh, very good girl mm-hmm. <laughs> <it makes> <laughs> so yeah a zombie film before she had never seen any horror film that she doesn't watch that stuff oh, and yeah. uh we made her watch wow. the walk the dead and i made her i made her watch uh uh 27 or 28 weeks later hmm. and i made watch, like uh uh day of the dead and i just gave her like a bunch of zombie films I like, here awesome that was her first time ever so she wow. in like you know a month a zombie expert by the end of it oh my and, gosh uh, and then the, the police officer in our film, Steve Isell, mm-hmm. worked at a comic book shop down the street from me. No way. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, hey, dude, do you want to be a zombie? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, wow. yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, you so, pulled together uh, some great talent, man, because they all did a great job. I'm watching it, and I'm like, I know this, this is like a real indie effort here. And, you know, sometimes in these sort of things – Some actors are better than the others, you know, and I realize that you cast a lot of friends and stuff. But there is no role, no actor that I thought was weak at all. I think they all were very strong in their performances. They all did really, really well. And that, I think, has a lot to say for you, being able to recognize uh, putting people into the right roles and directing them and letting them kind of explore that and express it on uh, on film. So great job.
3: Thank you. It was actually, like I said, it was my first time really directing a narrative. I've done music videos. I've done commercials. So um, pulling talent, it was, it was really intimidating because especially with Tom. I mean, Tom's been on national spots and I've done like a couple, you know, national things. But at, right. a, at that time, I was like, you're on a different level than I even understand. <laughs> so like, right before we're shooting, like I spent... I, as we're shooting, I'm in a senior in college. I'm taking six classes. I've got all my finals coming up. My birthday, I shot it on my birthday, which was a weird wow. thing. Wow. That. And um, we're, uh, I'm, like, studying how to, like, I'm not even worrying about school. I'm studying <laughs> how to uh, how direct actors that know what they're doing. You know what I mean? So I'm leaning on <laughs> all these techniques and going, okay, how am I going to approach I was freaking out. Like, I had no idea what Holy I was going
0: to do. Man. So,
3: um I, I don't remember who said it, but it, you know, directing is fifty percent casting or whatever. You know what I mean? You just write guys in there, and and Courtney Courtney Gardner actually was our casting director. She did a really great job of helping me with uh, with that, uh, getting me the talent that I needed, and and she was she was amazing. She's actually an actress herself, so she she recognized uh, yeah. talent when she saw it, and she helped a lot. With that so. Um, it was cool, like uh you know after after everything was said and done, um I was really looking for Tom to tell me like you know how'd I do, you know what I mean, and he was really happy with it, so um, awesome, yeah we like I said, we all go up to New York next week, uh, it'll be the first time I've seen Tom since uh it's been about a year uh, we stay in steady contact, but uh it's been about a year since I've seen him, so we're kind of gonna reunite and Go up to New York and try to sell it as a feature and win some awards, hopefully.
0: Awesome. Well, I wish you luck with all that, man. I, I, like, seriously, I don't see how you could have a problem getting this at least sold, let alone, I mean, win some awards for this because, uh, on on just so many levels, this is a great, great short, and uh, I just can't wait to see where you go with it. Especially, you got to get that feature made. Oh man, you got me like chomping at the bit.
3: that's what I I want to do that so bad. And I've had people ask me, you know, what if like somebody goes, Hey, I I want to buy this from you. You know, part of me wants to go for how much, you know what I mean? But the other part of me is never like, you know, I'll try to make this if I can, you know, um, Mm -hmm. the, the, we, we, I'll just say this. I'm not going to say the number, but we could do it. If I had the right people help me independently, you know, Uh, um, I've got everyone in line uh, that that worked on the short, ready to go. They, I mean, most of them. This was uh, our cinematographer's first shot at a narrative. Um, this was uh, this was a lot of firsts for us. Mm-hmm. So everyone's really anxious to see where it goes, and um, we've had nothing but great feedback so far.
0: So this being your first time doing this, and uh, you know you worked with a lot of talented people, and I think I think so many, so much of the stars aligned on this, Uh, just the right people, uh, the right time, and of course you you, obviously you have a knack for this, you know, a natural talent. Um, But what was your biggest challenge? I mean, was there a point when you were making Velvet Road and you're you're just like you hit some sort of a wall? You're like, oh man, what do I? what do I do from here? This is my first thing. I have no idea. Is this, you know, was there like any kind of major catastrophe or, or I guess what was maybe your biggest challenge?
3: There there was two things for me. Um, one of them was the film was actually scheduled to be made early October. And, uh, we couldn't raise the money. We couldn't get enough money to do it. And, um, we didn't think we were going to make the film. So after uh about 2 weeks, 3 weeks, I, I say about a week and a, I'm sorry, a week and a half to 2 weeks. Um my producer John was like we did everything we could, we raised a little bit more money and he was, you know, for I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on this thing, but he was just Go like for it. fuck it dude, we're going to make it. <laughs> 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 i was like, "All right." Wow. <laughs> Started to get really bummed, you know, I was like, yeah. oh, this, this is gonna suck. I had all these uh people donating money and giving us money, and and uh, we just couldn't get enough uh cash, you know. Um, and and he really came through for us, so um, you know, we we owe a lot to to him for to make this film and pulling everything together. If if I didn't have him, uh, we there's no way it would have turned out the way it did, yeah. so um that and then uh i uh i have this really really bad problem with uh when i have to do things the day before i don't sleep oh. <laughs> I'm really nervous mm-hmm. so the first day um of shooting i didn't sleep at all and i woke up and i was like holy crap i feel awful i mean i'm, I'm I didn't even wake up. I, what am I saying? I got up from laying in bed for like, right. <laughs> and, and I couldn't function. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I haven't drank caffeine in about seven years. That, oh. that shoot, I drank eight Cokes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, wow. Really weird caffeine. Like, I don't drink it. I'm yeah. really just I, it's jittery and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. to survive, because I didn't sleep those three days, I had to keep drinking Coke and caffeine and stuff. Literally felt like I was having like some sort of mental breakdown by the end of the wow. shoot. So that for me was just very, uh, that was a big hurdle. I know that sounds weird, but if you are a director or a producer or anything like that, you know how that feels. You know, um, yeah. A lot of people I talk to, they do that too. They're like, yeah, I don't sleep the night before a shoot. And I'm like, how are you doing all the time? It, I've been, you know, a bunch more. We made it a year ago. I've gone on uh, to do a lot of uh, national stuff, and it gets easier, you know. Yeah. You, you you realize that you're not you're you're not just some guy out there going. I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just gonna, work you know. Um, right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's it's one 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 thing I learned is, fifty uh, percent. Uh, act like you know or 50% talent and the rest is act like you know what you're doing
0: exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. you're in there you got it under control you know what you're doing just you go in and make it happen you know
3: and it's fine. as soon as you turn around you can go oh my god I can't believe they bought that you know what I mean
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> right oh that's hilarious
3: like you, yep, yep yep I got this this is your own you can turn around and act all you know doubt whatever you want to do just don't let them see you. Don't let them see you about yourself.
2: Right.
0: Oh, exactly. Exactly. So, man, uh, this has been great. Um, now, you're going out there. You're going to get this thing sold. You're going to win some awards. But uh, what else? Are you working on uh, any other projects right now outside of this? Um, well,
3: I've got some scripts that I've written um, that are, you know, probably way out of my budget and, and uh of work right now that mm. I, I would like to hold on to but I do I was talking to somebody today and uh, there's this film that I wrote a while back that I think I might uh, bring back and I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not because I'm waiting to see what happens with this mm-hmm. but um, I will I will say that uh, it's it's like paranormal activity meets, oh, drag me to hell.
0: Ooh. So you're you looking at uh, maybe the found footage kind of thing?
3: It's it's like a, it's a found footage thing about a couple who visits this gypsy town called Casadega. Mm-hmm. And we're going to call the film Casadega. Nice. And um, it's basically, they go there and they, it's a new, like newlywed couple couple when they get cursed and all this crazy stuff happens to them and it's like got this paranormal activity feel to it awesome i i haven't um it's like very very early stages we haven't even pitched the idea to anybody or talked to anybody but it's kind of like i know i could do it and do it really easily and do it fun and and it'd be something to do you know what i mean right but the rest of the stuff i've got going on is like just so giant <laughs> that it, millions of dollars to execute it yeah so
0: well i hope and i think you know if, if you keep going the way that you were going man with uh, velvet road i don't think you're gonna find that sort of thing quite so difficult to achieve in the future i i think I, some I people have confidence right. <laughs> <laughs> no i, I do right. i just i enjoyed it so much and i was so pleasantly surprised with uh, the quality and and the great storytelling and that you explored the deep themes, like the racial things and hatred and, and fear in the deep South in the sixties without getting cheesy and just like beating me over the head with it. Um, And really having an agenda, like you didn't have an agenda. I mean, you were just kind of making a statement of things going on at that point in time. And I think really uh, telling a great story, being realistic about it. And um, man, I I just got to thank you for, uh, making a great short here and uh again i'm just gonna say it like a million times on the show i I just can't wait to see the feature man and and i can't (laughs) wait to see this all over the place and and uh for you i think really making uh you know making some waves here in the community so uh well man uh, of course all these links are going to be up like i said in the show notes for the trailer the behind the scenes all these fun clips that uh, you're going to send me which i really appreciate um of course i'll have your imdb up and you're on Twitter. Uh, I got to talk to you on Twitter and Facebook. And that, can I tell the funny story about me, like, completely screwing you up in, in Facebook as far as, like, posting the uh, thing about that review? I said, Florida Possum gives this great review. And I meant to say Velvet Road. But right before I made that post, and this is just me doing way too many things on Facebook all at the same time, I was talking with a friend of mine about the song uh, No Rain by uh, Blind Melon. <laughs> Because there's a musician who just did a cover of, of, um, uh, of No Rain, and it was really cool. And so I was talking about it with this uh, other guy. And then I decided, oh, I'm going to post on Facebook about Florida Possum's review. And I didn't call it The Velvet Road on, uh, uh, on uh, Facebook. I called it Velvet Rain,
3: <laughs> which is a
0: completely different movie. You know I, I, It's, it's like an a- awesome
3: movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: actually, yeah, yeah. um but uh, i have to apologize to you for that that uh, i was just thinking about way too many things and uh i called it the velvet rain and then of course purple rain all came up and where you know i'm all i'm singing you know velvet rain velvet rain and and (laughs) things and uh just had some fun with it but uh, i'm sorry i screwed up the title on facebook Uh, no problem Um, no problem
3: uh, i've had a couple people ask me uh which is I know this sounds uh, kind of pompous, but they're like, where did uh, where did you get the title for mm-hmm. Velvet Road? And I was like, I don't know, man.
0: <laughs> it
3: just sounded cool, you know.
0: <laughs> like- no, I think I think thinking about the end of the movie, and and again, I'm I'm not going to give anything away, but I think visually, um, there's a, there's a, a certain zombie, there's a certain character, and there's a certain kind of uh, you know trail of blood that we're seeing that uh, that's that's exactly that's, the connotation i made
3: that's what the the trail of blood is really where we derive yeah. the, the name from um um which what was cool is uh my girlfriend actually the the last uh day of shooting um was my birthday and i i don't know if you listen to the band tv on the radio but uh, uh a little bit they, they were in, they were in town and uh it was one of my favorite bands, and I didn't get to go see him because we were shooting still principal photography, and I was really bummed. <laughs> so she threw this surprise party for, for me, which was like the rap party.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, she got me a red velvet cake with like a zombie red velvet cake. No so, way. Oh. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was a surprise party, and I never had anything like anyone do anything like that. So it was really cool. Uh, the cast was there, the crew was there, and that was our rap party It was my – my surprise birthday party.
0: Oh, I love it. Man, that sounds great. Yeah, it's
3: a good time. So, I mean, you know, this, will, this is my first, like, experience of doing something like this, and it's definitely, I mean, I don't know many filmmakers that have had that cool of an experience making their first film, so I'm yeah. very excited about it.
0: Yeah, and, and you should be proud of the results and, um, again, what's coming ahead. So uh, where else can we find out more about you on the Internet? Are, um, are there other websites out there other than uh, what I've mentioned?
3: Well, if you Google uh, Gus Cooper, a whole nother identity comes out, and that's <laughs> me when I was a kid. Really? And, uh, yeah, it's 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 me when I skateboarded and traveled and did all that stuff. And there's like skate videos of me and and uh, you know like bios of of me uh, with all my sponsors and stuff. And then uh, um, that's one way, which is pretty funny because you can see like just I guess young me, which is I'm I'm 28 now or I'm about to be 28. And uh, so this is like 10 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. But then it, Google El uh, uh, Gustavo Cooper. That's actually why I separated the two. Uh, I get <laughs> and, it. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Um, there's, you know, you, you follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And um, I work for a company, like I said, DBA. There, we do stuff all the time. Like, um, if you check my Vimeo, mm. there's little we play around with stupid things. Like I'm a huge, I'm a huge, huge Futurama fan. Like that's nice. one of my favorite things. So <laughs> I have like over 20 some odd, uh, characters, like, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like figurines, like I collect them and right. I got, I got like a Bender Yahtzee game the other day. Oh,
2: wow. <laughs> I love it.
3: But, uh, I'm always posting stupid stuff like that. Me and my friends at work, we made a uh, a little Bender short where like one of the employees freaks out and he runs out of the room and we run outside and there's a big Bender in this lake like it's <laughs> and he's laughing and, and uh, saying destroy all humans and stuff. I don't know. Anyways, I love it, <laughs>
0: dude. You, you said like you're super creative and it just sounds like you like to have fun, man. And that's what I I like to see. And then you can go out and make something that's completely awesome like this. So,
3: That's all. At the end of the day, I just want to make cool stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all. Um, I don't really care about money and all that stuff, really. As long as I can make really cool stuff and make people laugh or make people cry Mm. or just evoke an emotion, that's really, like, it's a big payoff for me because it's, like, I got to somebody somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, we we just uh we like to i mean even everyone that i'm involved with that's all they want to do is like you know if we can pay our bills great but if we can make something really cool that's what we want to do
0: oh yeah yeah absolutely so man thank you again for making this and uh just putting you know sacrificing so much to make velvet road and uh just putting out something that was uh, really entertaining for me and i uh, breathes some new life into the zombie genre that is so horrible for the most part right
3: now. And, uh, I I like zombie films, but, (laughs) um, I definitely, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that we did it and I'm very happy that you like it. And, um, you know, we never, we didn't set out to to do anything crazy or special. We just wanted to try to make, uh, the best film we possibly could with what we had, you know? So, yeah.
0: And you did that very well. So thanks again, man. And uh, I, I hope uh, we can keep in touch and uh, you'll keep me up to date about what's going on. I can't wait to hear about what happens in New York. Um, and uh, so, but, yeah, I will be like f- a,
3: we could do like a follow up thing if you'd like. And uh, I, can I would tell love you. to. Uh, that'd be cool. Oh,
0: yeah. So, yeah, let's let's plan on it. But uh, Gustavo, man, it, it's been a blast talking with you and meeting you here. And uh, like I said, Good luck in New York, man, and hopefully we'll talk again here real soon.
3: Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Good night. Good night.
2: You ungodly warlock. (coughs) (coughs) Because of you, this hotel (coughs) and this town (coughs) will be cursed forever. Well,
0: that's all we got this week. Thank you to my guests. Thank you, Tanya Brown. Of course, I'll have all the links up in the show notes for all of her great stuff. And thank you as well to El Gustavo Cooper. Uh, man, man, just uh, can't say enough good things about Velvet Road and, and what I hope happens next. So, uh, yeah, but uh, I really appreciate it. Of course, go to electricchairshow.com. That's the, that's the website for this show. Uh, MidnightCorey.com is my website, personally, where I put up stuff every once in a while. Not lately, but, you know, been busy. Um, and, uh, of course, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Leave me, uh, you know, some voicemail if you feel like it, 206-337-5096. Uh, or, you know, email me, get in touch with me through the website, whatever you want to do. I like hearing from Yin's guys, so. All right, well, thank you once again for listening, and uh, tune in again next week for more Electric Chairs.